Hello, everyone. I'd just like to share a quote from Chuck Smith. And as we are studying through the book of Acts, it's fascinating to see just how the early church struggled and yet how consistent their faith in the Lord was. And as we just look at the world around us today, how wicked it is and how evil and how far it's falling, it's very applicable to us when we read this book and we study God's word to apply it now as the church body. So I'd like to share this quote from Chuck Smith. He said, this is an important key in our struggle with worldly powers that are often antagonistic to righteous causes. It doesn't say the Christians all got together, painted signs, and protested in front of the temple. Instead, they took their concerns to God in prayer. When we see injustices in our world, we can do much more through prayer than we can do through public demonstrations. When we remind ourselves that the one we are coming to is God, and we remember his greatness, then we can see our problem in the light of his majesty, and we stop panicking and we start trusting. Thank you, Christian, for sharing that. It's interesting how that quote, as we read that this week, studying uh, through Acts was over, I don't know if it was 20 years ago it was written, and yet, as I read the commentary and I read that pastor's words, it's still just as applicable today, but not just in this country or America, but just truly around the world. It's just amazing to me how applicable always God's word is to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity just to study your word, to worship you, Lord, as we Lord, can just take a moment just to sing, to worship, just to just to really just take just time out of our week and just put everything else aside and just sing, sing to the heavens, Lord, sing to you, Lord, about just how much we love you. Lord, I just thank you for that, Lord, is it just... As we were worshiping, Lord, I was just having so many difficult times with the technology and getting started. But as soon as I just turned my heart to you and started worshiping you, Lord, I just I just know your presence, Lord. So, Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you for your presence here, Lord. Lord, I just ask for a blessing on this time in your word as we study your word. I just pray, Lord, you would use it to minister to us, Lord, in whichever way you would have for each of us, Lord. That, Lord, we would be bold. But we wouldn't just be bold, but we'd be bold as we faced all the trials that we face in this fallen world. So, Lord, we love you so much, Lord. We just pray that we'd hear from you, hear from your spirit now in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this last few weeks, we have been in Acts, right? Uh, we've been going through the, a series, if you want to call it. And in this last few weeks, we've been seeing Peter and John, right? Remember what they did? Who remembers? They healed a man, a lame man, a man that was lame from birth in the name of Jesus, right? And then after that, as we remember the story, and many of us have read this story before, we know that as they went into the temple, all three of them, they worshipped, right? This lame man worshipped the Lord. And then, you know, make sure you got your Bibles open, because let's just look it up a minute here. Acts chapter 3. If you're there in Acts chapter 3, just, we'll just do a quick review. Look at Acts chapter 3, verse 3. It says, sorry, let's look at verse 8 first. It says, he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, they went into the temple, right? So we saw this picture, we saw of how through faith in Jesus, how this man and everyone can be healed from this crippling power of sin. It was just an amazing picture, right? A picture of a, how a once hopeless man who was now full of hope and 
Now he was praising God and he was praising Jesus. He was doing this openly inside the temple, worshiping God for what he's done for him. As we continue, uh, you can look at even verse 12. What happened next in Acts chapter 3? It says, Peter saw this opportunity, right? And he starts preaching to them, right? He saw the people's amazement about how this lame man had been healed, right? And how he'd been healed in the name of Jesus. So he took this opportunity, right? Peter took this opportunity and was filled with the Holy Spirit and preached boldly in the temple, right? And what did he teach? He taught. And he taught all who repent and turn to Jesus can have their sins wiped clean. And if you look, we saw that in verse 18. As we just skim through this, look at verse 18. It says, but God was fulfilling all the prophets and had foretold upon the Messiah. They must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so your sins may be wiped away. Peter was directly at this time speaking to these Jewish men. And his message was Jesus. Jesus was alive, that Jesus was resurrected. Not only that, as we read there, that Jesus had come. He had come to bless them with eternal life. If only they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, last week, we continued our study, and we were in Acts chapter 4. Who remembers what happened in Acts chapter 4? They got arrested. Right? Peter and John got arrested for preaching against the Sadducees because of their teaching. They didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus or resurrection of anyone. So now as the story continued, these disciples, they'd spend a night in jail, right? You can imagine what that would be like. Then that next morning, I'm sure after a sleepless night, they got up and they had to come before these rulers, these authorities. And we talked about this last week, how these authorities that Peter and John come before were the same authorities that Jesus had been placed before, right? Even in the same spot, right? This very same spot where these religious leaders had condemned Jesus. Now these leaders are talking to these two disciples, right? After they had their night in jail. And they ask them, by what power or what name have you done this? Remember, the lame man had been healed and also talking about the resurrection. Then Peter, we remember last week, he He proceeded to answer, but when he did, he was led by the Holy Spirit, and he spoke boldly. Look at uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Look what he proclaimed here. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Now, today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. That's where we're going to be today. And before, I want to give you an outline even before we get going. Because I, as I studied this, I really, I think it's helpful to kind of know what the different sections that we're going to look at. And I saw three different parts or main points. So I'm going to give them to you before we even study it. So starting in verse 23, we'll see that first, we're going to read it, but the believers are told about the situation that had just t- taken place. Peter and John come and they testify to them, what had happened, how they were arrested, how they had to go before the religious leaders, how they were commanded by these leaders not to share in the name of Jesus. Then the second part we're going to study today is these believers' response to this news, right? Because now they've heard this news, so we're going to read about their response, and which we're going to see is for, for prayer. 
Then after prayer, as we see, we'll see today, we'll see a third point. And we'll see that we come to understand that persecution typically is led to prayer, which then leads to a united church. And this church is one that will boldly profess Jesus Christ. So let's get into the scriptures, but I did want to go through that outline just to give you an idea of what we're looking at. So let's see how these three steps and these three points play out. Let's start with verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priest and elders had said. These two, they had a story. I mean, they had an amazing story to share, right? They had an amazing testimony about what had just happened. They were explaining to the other believers, right, how they were arrested, how they were put in jail, then how in the morning they were interrogated by the same religious leaders that had sentenced Jesus. Um, Then they sharing how they were told they couldn't share about Jesus, and then they're sharing how they released them because they didn't know what else to do with them. But, you know, as they were sharing this testimony, I kind of thought about this one part because... Right in the first part, it says, as soon as they were freed. So it seemed their, their first thing these two guys did after getting out of jail, right, was to go and fellowship with other believers. I mean, so they get out of jail. They go right to their Christian brothers, right, and seek fellowship and to testify about what God had done, how they'd been freed, right? And I just found that kind of, I don't know, unusual in a sense, you know. I mean, I, I always try to put myself in the story. And I always ask you guys to put yourself in the story. And I asked myself, if I had just spent all night in jail, and then went through an interrogation with the local leaders, then, fortunately, by God's grace, been released, what would I do next? What would be my reaction? Would I, what would I do immediately after being released from jail? Would I go as Peter and John and go out and seek immediately my Christian brothers, to share about what had taken place, about how God was working? Would I go explain this crazy situation from the arrest to the jail to the courts and the leaders? What would I do? What would you do? What do most people do right after they get released from jail? What do you think you would do? Think about that. Maybe, let's let's look at this a different way. Maybe, because maybe some of you are like, well, I'd never go to jail, right? Or... I don't know, because I will never go to jail. Maybe, let's look at it this way, because there's a lot of foreigners that kind of listen, or there's a lot of Myanmar people maybe that, uh, you know, they're in Yangon, and they go to their villages sometime, right? So we could look at it a different way, maybe. What is the first thing you would do after returning to your home after being gone for a long time? Let's look at it that way. A little different, but kind of the same thing, right? What is the first place that you would visit after spending one year away from your family or being overseas? What's the first place you would go? Do you get right off the plane or the bus or whatever, which way you used, right? Do you run straight to your home church and go and run in there and share with your Christian brothers and sisters about the work that God's doing in Myanmar? Is that what you would do? To testify about Jesus and his faithfulness. Is that what you'd do? I admit, I admit, I probably would make a few stops before I went to my home church. You know, I don't know. Where, where do you think I'd go first? Maybe, I don't know, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, In-N-Out Burger. Um, no, I'm kind of being funny, but 
you know, you think about these disciples, right? Seriously, they spent all night in jail, just went through an interrogation. They immediately, it says there, it says they immediately went to the church, to the fellowship of believers, and shared and testified about what had taken place. These two disciples' first priority was to share about Jesus with the church of what had taken place. I, I will say for sure, here's something for sure, talking about jail again, people that really do go to jail. Uh, if people who were being released from jail would seek fellowship with the church immediately after being released, a lot less of them would probably go back to jail. <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. I can't be for sure exactly what I would do if I was in Peter and John's situation, right? I don't know exactly. But I, would I have immediately went back to the fellowship and shared, or would I have went to my house and got something to eat, or I don't know. But this is what happened in this story, and we do see some faithfulness and a testimony that's going to be shared immediately after these guys got out. So let's read, and read about that. Let's look at verses 24 through 26. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and his Messiah. I know I just asked you, but I want to ask you again. Put yourself in the story, or just imagine this taking place today, right? Imagine this happening today. Being told by the government authorities never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Because that's what's just happened, right? So either imagine yourself in the story, or imagine this taking place today. It does happen. Just take a minute and think about this taking place. What would you do if your church leaders came over to your home this afternoon and told you, just as Peter and John had been arrested, they say, I've been arrested, right? And, but I was released after only a night in jail. But on condition, as I was instructed by these local authorities, that we are never, ever to speak of Jesus again. Because that's what happened. Could you imagine that taken home if you're... In your house, and Peter and John come over, the church leaders, whoever they would be, and just say that, we're out. But we are instructed by the local government never, ever to speak of Jesus again, or teach, or heal, or anything to do with him. What, what would be your reaction? What would you do? What do you think, what is the next move? Or what should you do next after hearing such news? We, we just read the reaction of the church in Jesus' time, right? Did they just stand there in disappointment and say, oh, that's too bad, did they run out and protest in the streets with signs? Did they go and revolt and burn down the leaders' homes? You can't tell us what to do. What did these Christians do that were instructed never to teach or mention the name of Jesus again? They prayed, right? Reading these passages, they lifted their voices in prayer. And they were not just prayer, but they were united together in this, united together in prayer. And as I read this, I really think this prayer, it was, it was prayer, but it was more than that. It was truly worship to the Father God. They were worshiping God in prayer. Let's read it again. Look at the last part of verse 24. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. This was worship. 
So I asked the question, how should we react, right? I mean, not to lots of different situations. Is this example here, is this how we should pray? Is this how the church should react to persecution? To praise God and know that he is sovereign. That's what they're saying there, he's sovereign. That he's the creator of everything known and unknown. Yes, this is should be our response. This is how we should also pray. But now these believers have prayed. They've acknowledged who God is in the situation, that he is sovereign. But what's next? Right? You've brought it before the Lord. You've gathered in unity in the fellowship in the church. What next? Is it time to protest now? Time to go out in the streets? No. No. They then, if you look at the scripture, they reflected back on scripture and they quoted it here, and they read on how God had already prophesied and known about these things that were taking place. Not only, not only did he know it, but these were actually all part of God's plan. This acknowledgement of who God was, it was part of their prayer as they were facing this persecution, knowing that God was in complete control the entire time. Even in this times, God was still Lord and he was still king, just as he is today. The church's response to this news is our example for today. As we face different persecutions, in whatever form that would would be, this is our example right here. We are to pray. We are to read our Bibles. We are to praise that our God is sovereign, and he is all-knowing, and that he is still on the throne today just as he was in this time. Let's continue. Let's look at verses 27 through 28. In fact... This happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. Verse 28. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. We are shown here, and we look at these these passages that Nothing ever caught God by surprise, right? I sometimes, I don't know why, but sometimes it seems that I need to be reminded of that, right? Reminded that no matter what's going on in our world today, that God is still in control. To me, that's very reassuring to understand that God not only, he foreknew about all these situations that were going to take place, but he also prophesied these events and thousands more like them as we can read in the scriptures, right? This is an assurance to me of the God that I serve. I need to remember this because I'll tell you, sometimes I'm really guilty of asking God why. Why is these things taking place? Or maybe even becoming worried about the things that are taking place in the world around us. Or becoming fearful of the events taking place. Or even, even complaining about all these events to God, right? Complaining to him, right? Complaining about his will and the very things that he ordained. Because that's what it is. Complaining. Look at verse 28 again. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. How does that speak to you today in the world that we live in? A great truth to remember that everything was done according to the will of God. And again, he is sovereign. This is just as true today as it is in these times. Even in our situation today. Let's look at verses 29 through 30. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power 
May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Let each of us, let the church, let us all pray like this. No matter what's taking place in our lives, in our communities, in the world around us, let's continue to follow this example to look towards Jesus and know that he sees all these things that are happening all around us. And no matter what our worldly situation, no matter what's going on, that we would seek like they have the power from the Holy Spirit, which would enable us to go out into this crazy fallen world with all these things going on and share as boldly as the disciples did to share the love of Jesus to this fallen world. Is this world around us, it's going to continue, right? It's going to continue into depravity, really, right? That's what's going to happen. It's not going to get better. It's not. So do we pray like these believers, like these disciples, knowing God is sovereign, no matter what has taken place, to reflect back on Scripture, to look at his promises, and then pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us to go out boldly into this fallen world and preach the gospel? Or do we do like I I said I was guilty of, to complain about what's all these things going on? To have a super, you know, I want to pray for a supernatural ability to boldly go out and share this good news. Or what have you been praying for this week? I'll tell you, I was convicted. My prayers weren't like that. (laughs) Now I was studying and they became like that. But what was our, what were we praying for? Were we praying for something else? Think back. Reflect back. Play, play back in your mind from this following week. What have your prayers been? What have you been asking God for? We need to be praying like these Christians, for God to pour out his spirit upon the church, that many signs and wonders in the name of Jesus would take place, and the gospel would be preached boldly. And throughout this outpouring, many, many people would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Just as the story that we just studied the last few weeks of the man, the lame man, right? Just as we've been studying. A signs and a wonder. And then the, the gospel was preached and many came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I tell you again, so often my prayers are so selfish, right? Free me from this situation. Make this situation better. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of electronics. I'm tired of this lockdown. I'm tired of this virus. I'm tired of all these problems. We need to pray that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, would empower this church as it did in this story. That in Jesus' name, his word would be preached no matter, no matter the worldly circumstances around us. Let's read, let's continue to read and see how God is going to answer this prayer in this story of this church in verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. God heard their prayers. And he answered it in a very dramatic fashion, didn't he? We see here. This church was prayed up, right? They were filled up with the Holy Spirit. And now they were ready. They were equipped to go out and share the word of God to this lost world with a boldness like never before. This is what we need. So... Think about again to your prayers. Has God answered your prayers lately? Have, has he answered these, this prayer that the believers prayed in this story? He answered it in a dramatic way, didn't he? But have we been praying like that? Have we been praying as this church prayed? Simply for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to equip 
us to go out and profess Jesus Christ is Lord to the fallen world. Let's see what else is going to take place. Let's look at verses 32 through 33. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. Verse 33, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Whenever the Spirit of God is upon the church, what are the results? Right? So far we've read today that we saw a boldness to profess Jesus, right? We saw that this boldness also was accompanied by signs and wonders and miracles. But, you know, here in these verses, we see even more evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the church. What do we see in this outpouring? We see a unity among the believers. Unity within the church is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Trust me, it's only from the Holy Spirit that's going to happen. And we read here that there's this unity really was two parts or twofold. Do you see that? It was both the heart and the mind. Think about that. When you think of unity in the church, unity in sharing the gospel, do you think of heart and mind? I found this interesting that both aspects of this unity were given here in the passages. And I, you know, without getting too deep into it, I just came up with a simple conclusion that we must have both unity in heart and mind for there to be true unity and purpose in the church. I think you could teach a whole sermon on that probably alone. But through and only with the Holy Spirit can we be unified with each other to go out and share boldly there is only salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, another characteristic as we look at this, you know, there's another part of this of the verses we just read. And I've experienced, I believe, as you experience as I read it in these verses, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your own life, I think that we read here that there was no longer a, a sense, right, or a, I don't know the way to put it, like that everything in my life is about me or belonging to me. And I think I see that in these verses, right? That once the Spirit of God is present in our lives, we begin to understand that really in all these things in this world, right, possessions and things, that we are merely stewards of these things. And I think that's kind of what it's getting to in these passages, that these there's resources that God has entrusted each one of us to, right? He's given each one of us different resources, different things. But we see here they're giving away their things, right? But I don't think that, I think it's more that we are good stewards of these things. We're blessed in different ways with these things. And I think that's a result of the Holy Spirit in our lives to realize that all things belong to the Lord, not to us. These, these earthly things that each one of us may have, they're to be used to further his kingdom. Right? Is this how you view your things that you own? As you view your worldly possessions? I tell you, I, I will fully admit, I have been very, very blessed. God has blessed me, my family, this fellowship with many different resources, many things that must be used to share the good news. I do, I really, and I say this, I do believe this from my heart. I do truly believe that all my possessions belong to God, all the things that I have. And they each have a purpose, and that purpose is to help fulfill that calling on our lives, right? To go and share the hope of Jesus to this lost and dying world. I, I don't know about you guys, but I found this so freeing in my life to not truly own anything. 
Um, just to be allowed by God to manage these different resources that he has blessed us with. But he's owner of this. It, it is a, it's a big responsibility, though, isn't it? It's not quite that simple, right? To keep God's house upkept, right? To keep God's house ready to, to be hospitable for someone that wants to sit down and talk about something going on in their life. It's God's house. To always have your house ready to be used for God's purposes. To keep it... What about your car? It's really God's car, isn't it? To always keep it clean and maintained, ready to go out at any time during the night, ready to serve his people in whichever way that'd be. If it's to take someone to the hospital or to go to a hospital visit or maybe someone's having a baby, or, you know, I don't know. But it's God's car and to be used for his purposes. So I need to keep it ready, right? What about God's money, right? We are just stewards of the money that we have. Would he be pleased how you're spending God's money? Because it's all his. Now, as I thought about this, here's something for you. If you ever borrow something from me or giving, given something by me, right, to you, if you return it dirty, broken, or just don't return it at all, don't worry about it. Don't worry about me, right? Because it wasn't really my stuff anyways. It was God's, right? So there are God's possessions that you're being trusted with. So it's God that you're going to have to take that up with, right? That's my personal rant. Um, but here's the summary of these passages, or really the bottom line I see here. That once we are prayed up, as we see in these passages, that then, and only then through the Holy Spirit, are we equipped both physically and spiritually to go out and share as, Jesus, as these disciples did, right? Once again, look at, look at the verses that we just went over. What... Again, we've got to remind, what is that message that we're to go out and share? Right? They testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessings were upon them all. So let's look at some interesting views in these next few verses, verses 34 through 35. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give those in need. Some interesting verses. Um, there's some different views around these verses. Um, and I agree that we obviously see that this sharing and selling was taking place. But I also believe this is a very special kind of individual time. These believers here truly, truly believe that Jesus was coming at any moment. They truly believe this. This faith that they had and this willingness, I see it's very admirable. It's very, very admirable. They, in faith, were willing to give anything they had to serve God. You know, this really, as I see this, it's worship. It's faithfulness. And it reminds me of the heart that God would desire for me to have, right? To have that same heart that these people had, right? And some of us have been very blessed with different worldly possessions. And I'm sure some of these people in the church were also, right? They had land, they had homes. And I believe that all these Things, these blessings that we've received are to be used to serve the Lord. Now, I personally have been blessed that I own some property and I own some houses, right? But I don't believe God has called me just to go sell them and give the money to the church. Um, This is me personally. I, I do believe that God has called me to rent these properties out, then take the money that I got from these properties and use that money 
to go out into the world and share the good news and share the gospel with everyone to allow me to do that. Now, this is how I personally feel um, in this situation, how I feel I'm called to be a good steward of the blessings that God has given me and to use these resources to further the kingdom. But maybe God has instructed you differently. I don't know. I don't know. How God will speak to you and how you are to be a steward of whatever things he has blessed you with. Right? I think we need to pray about that. As the biggest thing I see here, as long as the love of Jesus is being shared with the lost, we will know how we are accountable for the things that he's blessed us with. I now, I just said that, and that's how I feel called with me now, but I'll tell you, God may call me one day to do something else. I need to be willing. He might say, sell everything you got and move to Myanmar. Well, that happened, but you've you got to be willing. You never know. Maybe he wants you to hold on to some things for later ministry. I, I don't know the answers to this. And the way these scriptures read, I believe we have to have that heart that these people had. There's no doubt. But the timing and how that stewardship looks for each of us, I really think the Holy Spirit needs to reveal that to each of us and what that looks like. But a willingness and a faithfulness is definitely a necessity in these areas. So let's finish today's verses and read the last couple in 36 through 37. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. You know, as I read that verse 37, he sold a field he owned. There's a whole... You can go. There's a whole bunch of things there because he was from the Levi tribe. How did he own a field? I'm going to get into this whole thing. Problem is, it doesn't say he sold the only field he owned either, does it? Right? It doesn't say he sold everything. He sold a field and he tied to the church. But we don't know the whole story here, right? But later on, these, they give us this quick insight to this very godly man we read about here. Uh, it was just absolutely sold out for Jesus. We know that. And we're going to learn much more as we study through the book of Acts about him. But today, I just want to look at a few points as we close. And I want to ask you, even as we look at Barnabas here, the question is, as we were talking about selling and different possessions, and the question is, are you each sold out for Jesus? Are you sold out? Are you as sold out for Jesus as these Christians that we read about in these passages? What about today? Have you given to Jesus what is his? For me... I had to relinquish all of my worldly possessions to God. Say, here it is. They're yours. I am a steward of them, but what would you have me do with them? And once I did, I I prayed, right? And I said, Lord, show me how to best use these things for the purpose of sharing the word of God with others. And I've seen so many of these worldly things that I had go away. Many, many things go away. But I've also been given a great, great privilege of being a steward of many other things. As I've been sharing with you about stuff, right? A lot of times we think about stuff, right? We think that we just talked about some money or homes or cars or maybe electronics and so on. You know, I thought about this even more. Are you ready? What, what else is there? What else does God really want? God wants it all. Every single bit of it. We must leave, starting with this, we must leave our sinful lives and turn to Jesus. He wants us. He wants us to leave our old lives. We're to lay down our pride. We're to 
We're to give him our own personal desires, our comforts, our health, our education, our family, our friends, even our children. What about that? God wants our children. I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to each one of us and reveal to each one of us what he wants from us, what he wants from you. Maybe if there's something that you're holding back from God. Because again, I asked, are you truly, truly sold out for Jesus? Have you laid it all down at his feet as an offering? Truly, truly. Here's one. We, I mean, we talked about money. We talked about kids and family. What about fear? You got to give that to God too. What about this coronavirus? You got to give that to God too, don't we? Have you given this to God? God says he wants it all. It means all. Have you laid down everything before his feet and fully put your trust in him? Or is there something you're keeping for yourself from God? Do you trust God to provide for you in every single area of your life? To equip you as he did for these Christians in this story that we just studied. To equip us so we can go out into the world and preach boldly and proclaim Jesus, our Lord and Savior, to this lost and dying world. Are you... Are you all in, like these guys? Are you completely sold out for Jesus? Think about it. Jesus gave what? He gave it all for you, didn't he? Right? We know our sin cost Jesus his very life, which he freely gave for you, with no strings attached. Will you freely give your life to Jesus as he gave his life for your life? It includes all these things. How bold is your faith? How bold is your faith in the trials that we face? In these verses today, we saw a problem come up, right? What was the problem that happened to them? The authorities, right? They came to, they prohibited them from worshiping Jesus, from proclaiming the name of Jesus. The local government said, no. Then we read the believer's response. What was their response? Was it again, was it to go out and pick it and burn down the cities? No, it was to pray. It was to pray and trust and worship God and know he is sovereign. Even in these crazy times they were facing, the crazy times that we face today, this led in the story to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's what it led to. Their praise and their worship and their study of the scriptures that led to an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then and only then the church was equipped and united and boldly professing Jesus, no matter the persecution they would face. Again, I ask, is the church today completely sold out for Jesus? Have they laid everything down at the cross and say, here I am, I trust you. Boldly sharing Jesus, no matter the worldly consequences that we may face in sharing Jesus. Because we are the church, make no mistake. So let's go boldly this week. Let's go as God has called each of us, to go out, to go out equipped by the Holy Spirit, go out to boldly share the hope, the hope that each of us has found in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Just as these Christians here that were prohibited from sharing the name of Jesus. But what did we see? Through persecution came great growth in the church. Great growth in the church. And that was through the filling of the Holy Spirit and the reading of God's word. So I think we learned some very valuable lessons in these passages. There's a lot of different lessons in there. But I think the biggest one, I I just personally, for me, was my prayer life. How am I praying? 
How are you praying this week? What was your prayers? Free me from this situation. Free me from that. Change this situation. Heal that person. I, I mean, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, are we praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church to go out and boldly, boldly share the hope that we found in Jesus? That needs to be on our prayer list, right? That needs to be on our prayer list. And then we need to see unity, unity in the believers to go out and share. So that's one of the things that really just spoke to me in this. I mean, there's a lot of things. Um, I think it's funny as I look back over the years, one of the things that spoke to me many, many years ago was talking about the possessions, right? Because that's holding on to a lot of things. And when I finally let go of them things and set everything I had at the feet of Jesus, he just worked miracles in my life. Um, things still do crop up and come up once in a while. But, you know, we just, they come up and I lay them down as fast as they come up, hopefully. Hopefully. But uh, for me, it's just prayer. I think we, I mean, really, we just need to be in prayer for this boldness, for this outpouring of the Spirit. And, you know, the disciples, I just love that story. You think about them too, Peter and John, right before them religious leaders, in the same spot probably that Jesus stood, before the same men that crucified Jesus. And Peter, not too long before, wouldn't even say he was a follower of Jesus to a little girl. But now... He's in front of the biggest religious leaders of the day that had crucified Jesus and he boldly professes Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. We don't have to have fear. We don't have to have fear of anything in this world. Please pray for me. We'll continue our worship service here. And uh, after I pray, the worship team will come up and just please hold on a minute on the live stream and we will resume shortly. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity, for this reminder of the early church and the disciples, the apostles, Lord, and how they went, Lord, and they shared and they testified of your goodness, Lord, and how the early church, Lord, they came to you in prayer. They came into you in the word of God, and they came in unity, and they came for a purpose, a purpose, a bold purpose, to proclaim the name of Jesus and that you are alive and you are resurrected. That's it. Lord, I pray that each of us would have that boldness to go out. And that, Lord, you would provide that through your outpouring of your Holy Spirit as we see in these passages. As they faced many consequences for what they were doing. But, Lord, as Peter said before to the authorities, who do I fear? Who do I truly obey? The authorities or our sovereign God? Lord, I praise you and I thank you, Lord. I just pray that you continue to bless this time and bless our service and bless your church, Lord. Protect all of those out there, Lord. Keep them healthy. Keep them safe, Lord, and build up your church and equip them to go out and profess boldly, Lord, boldly your name. I love you so much, Lord, and I just thank you for this time and this opportunity to worship you. Please continue to bless the rest of our service and your people. In Jesus' name, amen.